Hey, it's Burton Shaolo. And this is Savannah Hart, and you're listening to the Black Box Podcast. As a black woman, my goal is to like hold everybody's feet to the fire and keep everyone accountable. And that that that's kind of the responsibility I've kind of put on myself because it sounds good, but like what are you actually doing? And, you know, I think you guys have seen this. In the last year, a lot of brands have stepped up. I want to see if everyone keeps the same energy, you know, rolling into 2022. This is the Black Box Podcast, a conversation about the sports, music, media, and entertainment business world. Our guest for this episode is the great Amina Charles, close friend of mine, head of sports North America for Beats by Dre. She's worked at Gatorade Pepsi. She's got an MBA at Northwestern. She she and I have a lot of friction in life, <laughs> but um, in a different world, a love of my life. And I'm actually around my neck, Amina, around my neck are the are the headphones you just sent me. Amazing. And I bug her all the time for free product, which is one of the perks about having friends in the industry and she knows i'm obsessed with lebron so it was these specific headphones he rocks and i'll tell that story later on but amina thank you for joining the show thank you for having me of course and i've 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 wanted for a couple years if you remember to connect you with savannah because savannah was doing a grammy event if you remember a few years ago in last la year. Last, was year. It last year and yep. i think we actually like connected briefly like via text or something like that but then you know the world got crazy yeah we connected via text i think you actually had to fly out last minute somewhere to like somewhere in the midwest but i'm happy to finally get the opportunity to speak with you um to Burton's point, you know, you've accomplished so much in this industry and specifically the sports marketing side is always been a little bit intriguing to me. So I would love to know, because I feel like, you know, everyone has a little bit of assumptions around their job, right? Like, are you on the phone with LeBron and Serena Williams ideating commercials or are you just on your behind your desk all day? Like, what is the normal life of Amina Charles? Wow. Uh, I feel like it's it's definitely somewhere in between all of that. Okay. Um, you know, I guess there's like the pre-COVID life and there's the, you know, now working from home remote life, which is totally different. Um, but it's a hybrid, right? Like in our role, in my role, um, you know, we spend time just like everyone else going to the office. I think there's this, there's this notion that there's no real work happening. Like we're just all at games and all yep. at fancy dinners schmoozing. But, you know, I'm at least three days, three to four days out the week prior to COVID when I'm not traveling, I'm at a desk, I'm in meetings, I'm collaborating with our teams. I'm putting together keynote presentations, yep. um, sending, firing out emails, working on contracts, having conversations um, with, you know, agents and managers and marketing folks and league partners. Um, and then, yeah, when we engage our athletes and we have things like production shoots or, you know, we're going out to support them at a game, like there's some connection there, but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of actual real work happening. And I think that's one of the probable, probably bigger misconceptions about sports marketing. It's that it's, 
you know, just all the sexy stuff. Mm-hmm. Or just sports. I said this before and yeah. I say this all the time. You know mm-hmm. this. Like I say, like people think you're going to basketball games, you're hanging out with players or what you said, fancy dinners. You're on a, you're flying to the finals or you're flying yeah. to the U.S. Open. But it's like, I, 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 the comparison I draw is always to owning a Ferrari. Like people think owning a Ferrari is the coolest thing ever, but it's expensive. The insurance is expensive. The gas is different. The when maintenance. You, the maintenance is different. When you when when your Ferrari breaks down on the highway, you don't call triple A, right? Like you got to call the special Ferrari guys. Now that doesn't mean like working in sports you make Ferrari money. I'm not making that like comparison, but it's like people just assume that oh, if you work for the Knicks or the Nets in Savannah's case, like I got a thousand tickets, I can just give away. Like yeah. here, right. like, hit me up for tickets. Can I get right? into that game? Do you? Right. Can you, mm-hmm. you know, the Lakers are coming to town, and like, we right. did get tickets to every game. So I mean, they're not too far off with that assumption but you're right like there's like it's that a thousand happy tickets, right there's, it's yeah. not like hey l- introduce me to La- serena williams right. like yeah, it's, for it's, sure. it's, that's not how this works yeah. and yeah. i can't tell you uh and i definitely want to dive into more details uh amina about uh your role but i can't tell you how many times i've been on the phone with amina and it's like one o'clock in the morning in new york so it's like 10 in la and she's working. She's still at the office working on yeah. a presence, like literally putting together the presentation. It's not like she gives it to an assistant and it's like, hey, type this shit up and make it right. look nice. Like, I can't tell you how many times she's done it. And that's been, I mean, I, I you know me, I don't like to. You don't give, give people, compliments. I don't give compliments. Well, no props. <laughs> yeah, I know. No props to anyone in the world. But like, I was like totally floored because I know the level that she's at. I know how hard you work. Uh, I mean, I know. You know, your background, whether it's Gatorade or Northwestern. And I'm like, damn, she's putting together a presentation? Like, the head of sports for Beats by Dre is still putting together the presentation? So, uh, you know, kudos to you. And I think people don't know that all the time. Yeah. And I think what's, I mean, the the positive of it all is we're all, like, super blessed and fortunate to work in an industry that aligns with, like, our passion. Like, I love sports. And so... You know, when I'm putting together a deck or in a numbers grid looking at a budget, you know, I'm not going to say I love it all the time, but I'm genuinely excited and engaged because I get to wake up every day and work with the best athletes, the best partners, the best people in the industry who are all just genuinely passionate and really smart. I think we don't get enough credit um, because our industry is seen as like cool or schmoozy. Um, for the number of really intelligent minds that we have, like the sports industry is a billion dollar business and that's not on accident, right? Mm -hmm. I would love to know um, kind of like what your team structure looks like. And I know you just previously mentioned, you know, sometimes you'll have the athletes weigh in. Like how often is that, right? Because I feel like sometimes we see a disconnection in like the production of a commercial and the talent is like, wait, I didn't know I was going to be, um, you know, presented in that manner. Um, so I would love to know in your, in your particular experience, how often are you including the talent and just overall what your team structure looks like in developing a campaign? Yeah. So I'll t- so team structure is interesting. We work really cross-functionally. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we're ha- we have creative leads who are the best at what they do and coming up with amazing stories. So we're working with them in tandem because we're so close to the athlete and we're so close to sports to help shape those narratives. We're talking to social to make sure, you know, we're on brand from a brand perspective. Um, we're working with PR to, you know, to make sure that, you know, if there's a media element, it comes to life. So for me, my team structure is less of uh 
people that are direct in my function and more partnering with other groups on the floor. And then, you know, sometimes agency partners, depending on what. How many agencies you got right now? Big pardon? How many agencies you have right now? Um, that's a tough one. I think it, it depends. Like we, there, we have. What do you mean by that? How many agencies? Work with depending on well, I mean, there's projects. media agencies, there's creative agencies, yeah. right? there's production houses, right? So how many agencies are you like? How many agencies of record? That's what I mean. Like, I'm sure oh, you... I don't know. I, I can't speak to the agency of record because I have never shown who gets that, that right. bestowed that title. Right. But you just listed out probably the three agencies that I'm typically working with. It's creative. We do have like creative and production in-house. So sometimes it's an agency and sometimes it's um, uh, folks that are just internal. But that's that's really unique to the brand or the business. Um. And then I think, Savannah, your second question was like athletes weighing in. I mean, I think the the best campaigns that we see in the industry are those that feel, and authentic is overused, but I'll use it here, but those that feel like authentic 100%. and like really connected to, to an athlete um, and don't feel overdone. And so, you know, whether it's getting the athlete to weigh in directly uh, or having the manager kind of who knows them very right. intimately speak on their behalf as to what fits. I mean, that that's always the goal, right? Like you don't want talent to show up to set. And this is the first time they're seeing the script. You know, you want them to be genuinely excited about what they're doing. You want them to be on their A game. And that comes with some pre-read. And again, it's only going to make the campaign more successful if they have a seat at the table because they feel invested in it. Yeah, I agree with you, Amina. I, I would say two things to that. And tell me if you agree with the first part of it. I think that these athletes, and I've been in this business for 20 years, probably working directly with athletes for 15. Mm-hmm. They, I think they're smarter. Yeah. They're savvier. They're they more creative. Be involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. They want to be involved. I was going to say that. That was third. And, and they're like more creative than you realize. Like, yeah. I've, I've been on the phone, and <laughs> I hate to say it, especially because I'm brokering a deal with an athlete and, and his rep right now, but like the rep is not creative. Like, the, the athlete. I've actually, to, uh, three days ago, I asked the rep, the agent, not the marketing agent, so maybe that was my mistake, but the agent. I said, I want your athlete, but I'm also looking at your athlete and another one for, for a program, not not uh, branded content, but like a right. program with a, yeah. with a publisher. And I said, tell me a little bit about, and it's like an athlete that I don't know a lot about. And I'm like, tell me a little bit about him. And the way the agent sold it to me, I was like... <laughs> I would hang up on you. Like, this was so boring. <laughs> this is so boring. But, but the opposite of it is true. Like, athletes are getting smarter and more creative. Do you feel that, Amina? Like, I, I 100% feel that. And, it, and you know what? I would say it's happening almost at a younger age. So before, and maybe I had a different view about it when I first started out, I think you kind of saw that from a lot of the vets. And you, can, you would be on a set or you'd be at a production shoot or you'd be engaging with an athlete and you can really tell the difference between someone who's been in the league for 10 years and has been on a set millions of times and, you know, the rookie. But now I'll say that, like, a lot of these young athletes, male and female, are coming in. And, I mean, you I don't know if it's social media and everyone's thinking yep. about their brand, but they have a point of view. Like, they have a very, very strong point yep. of view. Um, and, again, you're starting to see that, like, out, out of the gate. They're already thinking about the brands they want to partner with, what they want to do, what's cool to them, what's not cool to them. You know, what's really worth their time, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I feel like overall they just really realize the importance of the platform that they have. So mm-hmm. I find a lot more intention behind the moves that they make. Um, yeah, I think it's intention. What Amina was saying about brand, but I also think it's experience. Like you get the phone in your hand when you're a young age, and you immediately become a content producer, right? Like nowadays, That's like fair. kids are content creators, right? Literally. Whether or not they become famous or not, whether or not they become athletes or not, like that's the whole word, the influencer, right? Like they are content creators at such a young age that when it's time to get a brand behind them, they're like, no, 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 no. I know what the creative works for right. me. And uh, uh, so Amina, let me, let me ask you this question. Cause I, I, I struggle through this. And I think Amina will attest to this. Like I'm hypercritical of everything. You I think everything fucking critical. sucks. Well, we know. I think everything fucking sucks. Like every time I watch something, I'm like this sucks. Uh, like, uh, I, uh. If if something gets a five a four star review from Burton, like <laughs> I, I'm shocked. And self critical. There's some stuff that like I've I've put out as a as a producer of content that like. You know, I didn't have full control of, and I never have full control of anything. But like, I'm like, oh, this is awful. Like, I mean, where are you at with the being on the brand side of things, being the marketer, being the person at the at the end of the day, you're writing the check, whether it's for the commercial or it's the endorsement deal, or you know, your your media agency is writing the advertising check. Where's that balance with I? You're the person with the gold, right? The old saying, the old saying is those who have the gold rule versus appeasing and working with the talent. And I don't, appeasing is the wrong word, but like collaborating with the talent. Like, have you had those struggles? You don't have to give me the specifics of struggles. And, and by the way, I forgot to tell you, I know you don't curse. You're allowed to curse on this show. What you're not allowed to do is say anything negative about LeBron James. LeBron James is the goat. I just FaceTime with him, so I'm gonna every, FaceTime with him later. Probably I'm through, sure you through are. the Instagram filter sure for are. clarification. Um, but yeah, like Amina, have you run through that issue? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think it doesn't work if talent is just isn't excited. Like, why would you want to produce something that your talent isn't going to be excited about? Like, I'm, I'm talking about the talent being too excited and being wrong. Like that's like that part of it. Well, then you're is both the other wrong, side. right? Because you were excited enough to bring it to them, right? Right. So right. It's, it's a it's a lose lose there. I mean, I think the other thing now that you're seeing is, again, even five years ago, they there were a few key brands activating across sports and with athletes. It was probably like the apparel brands, sports drinks, and maybe insurance. Right. And now when you look at it, there's so many niche. Like yep. brands in different spaces, brands that athletes have shared equity and ownership on, and they're all producing content. So it's yep. it's very very crowded. Um, and I guess to get to get back to your question, I, I still go with if the talent isn't excited, then you're you're missing the mark. If you guys all fail together and it flops together, cool. Yeah. What about when talent? Like I said, when talent is excited and they're wrong. Like, how do you? I guess what I'm asking you is like, how do you deal with that as a marketer? Like when they're like, I want to so do what this. Would they be excited. Like they have an idea and we're like, mm, not so good. Right. Or it doesn't line up with the brand. Like the brand messaging. Oh, yeah. Right. I like, think that's just managing the conversation. And sometimes it can be educational because that's the hard thing about working with 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 a brand. It's like obviously we have goals in mind. It costs money to do all of this stuff. So while we'd lo- like to like take a bet on everything that comes our way, whether it's talent or an agency bringing it, like our job is to filter that and find out what makes sense. Right. Um, and when you think about having a conversation with, the, with, with an athlete or a partner, it's like, 
making sure they understand why, like why you're making the decision. It's never just a no. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's a tough one. It's a problem. I honestly wish, I, I mean, if you have that problem, kudos to you. That means they're actually that engaged that they want to bring you ideas. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's an amazing problem to have. Yep. I would love to revert to the conversation we were having about um, brand evolution and how a lot of people are starting to approach it with more intention. I feel like you've been in the marketing space long enough to see the growth of how people are just holding brands a lot more accountable, whether it's from a sustainability standpoint, racial equality, sexual equality. Um, I'm curious as to how that's trickled down to behind the scenes, like from your position. Like, are you guys, do you guys take more caution in being inclusive? Do you guys hire multicultural agencies to ensure that you have the proper positioning when it comes to certain matters? Yeah. I mean, this is not the PR answer. This is like the God's honest No, keep truth. it real. That's why we got you. Like, Amina, keep it real. Most of the brands I've worked for have always had that as like a top of mind goal. Now, hmm. how it got executed and yep. the level at which, you know, we were able to deliver on that, like that's that's up for debate. I think there's always more you can do. Um, but I think, you know, especially like when I think about my current role, like that is so central to like who we are as a brand. So while I know like a lot of companies in the last year have kind of jumped on that, um, you know, I feel like I'm fortunate enough to say I've always worked for companies where they prioritize that. Now, as a black woman, um, my goal is to like hold everybody's feet to the fire and keep everyone accountable. And that that's where I think that that's kind of the responsibility I've kind of put on myself because mm-hmm. it sounds good. But like, what are you actually doing? Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think you guys have seen this in the last year. A lot of brands have stepped up. I want to see if everyone keeps the same energy, you know, rolling into 2022 Mm -hmm. and making sure that, like, I don't know, the intentions are positive, right? Like, this isn't just real or real. Like, so I feel like brands have stepped up for the show versus now is that a bad thing let's talk about that is that a bad thing so i give a brand i'm gonna say i know i know so amina first i'm gonna answer your first question do i think so i know so and your next question is is it a bad thing you tell me is it a bad thing i have mixed feelings and here's why so say for example a brand is like look this black lives matter thing is really really (laughs) gotten some heat (laughs) we're gonna donate to some hbcus we're gonna go you know donate to this charity i'm like great give us your money or we're going to go hire. Great. Get us in the room. Like, Mm -hmm. even if you're not genuine, like now that we have the resources, we're going to continue to level up and help equal the playing field. And so the part of me that's kind of like upset about it is like, you're not, you're not really serious about it. And so maybe I get your check today and then tomorrow you move on. Or maybe I get your check today and you still really haven't fixed all the systematic issues. So I do have mixed feelings about it. On one hand, I'm like, yes, if you want to throw a check around, cool. Throw it to the right people. Yep. And let's try to like keep the momentum. But on the other hand, I'm kind of like, it feels exploitative. So I ha- I definitely have mixed feelings about it. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. We had this I conversation. I can see Savannah's yeah. like lighting up. This is how <laughs> she feels. Yeah, go ahead. Because, yeah, I li- literally feel the same way. Because Baron actually asked me um, one time, like, you know, well, if you're just getting that position because you're a black or because you're a woman, like, you know, do you feel some sort of way about it? And I was yep. like, well, if I can get in that position and open the door for another black woman behind me or just... Sh- 
prove them, prove them, you know, wrong or wrong. right in whatever their assumptions are, then my purpose has been fulfilled, right? So I'm right there with you. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, what you guys are saying are ra- is rational. I'm not like arguing that point. And, and, and there are two sides to it. There's the give me the fucking money, I'll make it work. And then there's the, you know, if you just giving me the money for some bullshit, there's principle involved with it, right? Yeah. And we all have mm-hmm. our line that we cross, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like too much. I agree with the rational thought on it. And and our line, I would argue as humans and as humans that are hopefully always evolving, our line moves with us. Mm-hmm. And my line moved a, a while ago where it's not good enough to talk the talk and it's not good enough to write the check and it's not good enough to do the creative that's like, oh shit, that lines up with the BLM movement and all that. And Amina, you and I have had these uh, yeah. and I, I won't get into the specifics. We're calling BS. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, I mean, and I, I I call BS on a lot of things. I, if I'm being really one thousand on this call, uh, or in this pod, I, I've called BS on things that she and I have disagreed on. She's like no, and I said yes. I've called BS before George Floyd was murdered. Obviously, things got you know things really really exploded, and the conversation really got to the forefront, which is silly. It should always be in the forefront. It, it's it's silly that like. You know, the difference between George Floyd and there's no difference between George Floyd's murder and he was murdered and Eric Gardner's murder, um, except all of a sudden it was um, we're all stuck inside because of COVID and all of a sudden it exploded. Uh, and I'm sure there are other sociological reasons why it exploded. But I've been calling this for a while. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Hate, hate it. Hate it. But again, so here. So here's the paradox. I've been in the room where it's like, oh shit, Fortune 100 brand, Fortune 500 brand, they're ready to write a check and they're ready to write it and it's not completely the way I like it. Right. But am I really going to walk away from this opportunity to build this program? Because if, again, if we're being 1000, it's for the good of people. It's good creative, but I'll put money in my pocket too. Like there's a capitalistic view of like, am I really going to walk away from this? Like, and then in your case, Amina, you're in corporate America. Like, I hear you about holding people's yeah, feet to, to the fire, you to. but you got to also be diplomatic, yeah, right? When you're in the room, right? Well, yeah. I feel yeah. like I've grown to be a little bit less. Like before, I thought about it, and I think in the last few years, not even I'm not even going back to like post George Floyd. I've kind of gotten to a point where, yeah, I'm going to be respectful, but I'm I'm going to speak my truth, right? Um, because you know, to Savannah's point, it's less about me and more about like the black girls and the black men coming you know behind me um so yeah I I agree with that I mean you know in in your example that you're talking about I would hope that you would like you know put apply some pressure and try to push it as far as you can but knowing that like anything in corporate America there's a there's a give and take yep and at the end of the day as long as you felt good about what 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 went down or or how it was you know executed or however it came to life then i think that's all you can ask for you know i apply pressure don't think that i'm not yeah, applying. No, you i know, know me. you do i know you do and so but sometimes but, i gotta but calm that's down the responsibility of everyone right yeah, and that's yeah. what's the most annoying piece about it is you have a lot of the same marginalized people in rooms trying to solve problems and yeah. it, to me it's like okay john smith what's what's your idea like how can you help <laughs> You know, I I would love to know, like, did you ever have um, and I guess you kind of mentioned it, but did you ever have hesitations at first? Because I feel like I went through that where 
a lot of the times my opinion or perspective was the varying one in the room. And that's because, especially being in sports, one, I was the only woman in the room and a lot of the times the only person of color. But it took me a while to grow into that and realize like that is why I was hired. But sometimes, you know, especially in corporate America where things are very political, sometimes you just want to agree. Um, so I would love to know, like, if there's anything in particular from a mental standpoint or a confidence standpoint um, that you did to really just be able to put yourself out there, even if it was the complete opposing perspective in the room. I would just say I wish it happened sooner with me because I think it took me a while to build that confidence. There is not like a moment I can point to where I'm like, yeah. okay, this is where I like stepped into my own. And, you know, regardless of if it was a popular or unpopular opinion, I was going to speak my truth. Um, so I definitely wish it happened earlier. And I think having people like a burden and <laughs> having other <laughs> I was about to take credit, but then go ahead. You For can real give me the credit. though, low key, like empowering people around you. No, I'm serious. Like my best friend, like she's always been like a firecracker and she yep. was the one, she's one of the people that inspired me to be like, look, sometimes you just got to be like, like, like yeah. whatever. And yep. Just, yep. just own it. And, you know, like I said, for everyone, it happens differently. What's cool th- that I love to see is like, younger generate the younger generation like they don't care mm-hmm. they care less about hanging on to a job at like an apple or wherever like that doesn't validate them yep. which is what i really love um they care about being their authentic self so you you got your mba at northwestern did you have a little more swag in your walk in the corporate office after you got it? <laughs> I get this question from students like, hey, you know, do you need your MBA? Do you right. need to mm-hmm. go get your degree? And I always say like, it's it's a very personal decision. And why I absolutely did it, and I will be honest, it was for probably the validation of others. Like, I didn't want anybody to tell me no. I didn't want to be, I wanted to be able to walk in there. And I'm super mm-hmm. proud of the fact that I went to Hampton University and I'm an HBCU grad. Um, but I felt like I needed that extra to mm-hmm. be, to, to be able to walk into a room and just own a stage or, you know, own a conversation and like, just be able to get respect. And again, I did it when I was younger. And so I don't know if I would be seeking that validation yep. now. Um, but, and, and, and I'll be honest, like the other part for me is because I was in a sports marketing role. I felt like I was always challenged, like, okay, are you a really great general brand marketer? Do you understand brand? Do you understand business? And for me, it was a great opportunity to still be doing what I love, go to school part-time, get all these skills and like fast track and be around all these smart people, build my network um, and be able to kind of reposition myself as someone who, yes, I can be talking to an athlete and broker a deal with the team, but I can also go run a startup. I can also be a chief marketing officer or head of business operations. Um, so that that's kind of the the other reason for me doing it. And I do think I like learned a lot. Um, it it kind of got me away from sports, just being in the classroom because mm-hmm. it wasn't focused on a lot of the day-to-day things that I was talking about in the office. It was like, okay, like let's talk about healthcare and how healthcare is booming. Or let's talk about, you know, the tech world and how people are raising capital. Like I got exposure to so many things yeah. so mm-hmm. quickly. Um, and maybe that would have come with experience, but it came in an accelerated fashion for me going mm-hmm. to business school. So um, 
I forgot to mention at the top of the show, 40 under 40 at at age. Yeah. Uh, I guess I should say congratulations, but I'm not great with props or giving people props. So, Grow Savannah. Up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, right? It sounds like a trauma to um, me. Right. <laughs> like traumatizing the So, right. yeah, it, it, a little bit. Um, one, congrats. Two, how does that, like, make you feel more importantly like is there tangible sort of like results because of it does it does it raise your profile does it raise the negotiation for the next promotion or the next job i'd love to hear your opinion about that trade world because i have a very harsh one but i'd love to hear yours well i'm not gonna lie like i was excited to be honored you know like i i'm i consider myself to be someone who actually like does the work and so Usually in my mind, people who do the work, it's like people who have the brands are like glitz and glam. Yeah. Like those are the people who win. Yep. And so for me to be honored, like and doing it my way, I was like, this is like reassures, you know, my faith and like the, the hard workers can win too. So yeah. I was I was excited. I think it probably means more to like I'm maybe companies and recruiters because like let's face it, we we live in this very vain world where. And I think I was telling you, Burton, this people can go down your LinkedIn and like, oh, you work for this company, you work for this company. So, oh, my God, you must be great. Right. And I know so many people who haven't worked for big brands that have worked for startups or they're working on their own. And they are just as smart, if not smarter. Mm-hmm. And so and probably more resourceful. Right. Yeah. Right. So going back to your question, like for me, I know it means something to like maybe the recruiters and the other companies in the world, which is still crazy to me because you have to look at like, OK, what does this person do? Yep. What is their capacity? What do they yep. have the potential to do? Um, so I'm I'm going to be honest. Like I'm going to ride that. Great, amazing. As a <laughs> black woman, I will take any edge, <laughs> yep. any edge to help level this playing field. And I was super honored. I'm I'm excited. But like for me, it's okay. Now what's next? Yeah, I would say two things. I'd say one positive, one negative. Always right. One positive is. I know Amina. She is not a self-promoter. So when Amina wins an award like that, it's because what you said, the grinder got it, not the person who plays politics. But here's the the negative thing. Those awards, those trade awards, I got to be honest, are mostly politics, paid for, nonsense. They know the person voting. Is that that confirmed fact or assumption? It's not assumption. Based on the, it's not assumption because you didn't I'll, say it is confirmed fact. Well, it's though. hard to say confirmed fact because it's not everybody. I mean, is the case of where it's not right. But you but know people who where I know that's too many people where they get at age forty under forty sports business fifty under fifty thirty under thirty and these guys are fucking ass clowns guys and girls like I I've worked with them I've dealt with them they've done the right PR moves to get the award so my feeling of the award is oftentimes not the same as the recruiters feelings in Amina's point or the brands feeling like yeah our person won the award I think it's nonsense most of the time again I'm not trying to take away from your award Amina I think you should um, one day when you actually get it like shine it and have it up there and be in the background of your zoom call and all that stuff if you're willing to pay the 500 bucks to get it but like I think it's nonsense like my, my opinion is that it's complete nonsense like okay so if you were in so if you were reading some resumes and you saw this like executive or this up and comer was 40 under 40 or SBJ whatever by the way you're not up and coming when you're 40 under 40 you old okay, when sorry. you're 40 under 40 right? 30 under 30 yeah, give me that. <laughs> I'm just saying if you saw one of those accolades on those on a resume that wouldn't mean anything to you 
I wouldn't I wouldn't hold it against them, but I would not allow it to sway me as like, oh, this is the person. What like, would mean something to you on a resume? Well, on a resume. That's a great question. Yeah, it is. On, on a like, resume. You don't, friend, you don't care. Like, so how are you finding people? Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I think, I think you know this. I mean, like I go with instinct more than anything else, but from a, from a hiring process, for me, I like to see the work that you actually did. I like I like to ask the detailed questions about what you actually did on it. And then I go with my instinct on it. If you're the PA on a commercial shoot, but you can list out a bunch of things that the lighting guy did, the camera guy did, this that means you're paying attention. Like maybe mm-hmm. you were just the PA and you made all the photocopies and you, you delivered all the FedEx and you got the coffees, but you were paying attention to what else was going on or you were dealing with talent or you remember that this talent person wants to sit over here or what, whatever those details are as I'm talking to you this is my instinct this is my interviewing a, a potential candidate in this hypothetical situation I go with that like that's how I go like you know with this getting back to the trade awards if I had two candidates that are equal right. and one had 30 under 30 and one didn't I would that wouldn't even be a tipping point for me I'd Ooh. look for a different tipping point mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to hold it against somebody for winning an award that's crazy but like I don't look at I, because oh, I know you care about the school someone goes to like I do I not care about the school that someone goes to right like it, again like you you said it yourself do you care about masters or bachelors I don't care about Masters or bachelors, uh, like I no, not even bachelors. If like you saw someone went to Harvard, you don't feel any different from them if they went to like the University of Phoenix. Honestly, I don't care. I think you, I you just want to see how consistent you are with your yeah. approach. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one thing I am is consistent. Um, I think that to your point about startups, like a startup person can be just as talented and creative. And, prob- and probably more, more resourceful. Yeah, and probably if more resourceful, more, yeah. right? You have to wear like, so many more hats. Like when yeah. you're in a corporate office, like there is a person for every single function. All you have to do is just tunnel vision. Right. So kind of off of that, um, we're kind of in the age of, of cancel culture. So mm. let's say hypothetically speaking, you have an athlete that did something that is, for lack of a better word, cancelable. <laughs> As a as a brand, what is your evaluation process of if you should drop that athlete or not? Like, do you guys have like some sort of like key guidelines, or is it really just I don't want to say opinion based, but like you know, are you guys just More using subjective your intuition? Than, yeah, than the key guideline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't want to. I'm not going to speak on behalf of like how the brand handles things. I, I'll just say like I do think it's like you you really want to understand as as much as you can on mm-hmm. the background and you you have to make sometimes whether it's severing ties or whether it's standing behind someone I mean you look at like what happened with cap mm-hmm. and I wasn't involved in that but I think about like okay when I you know if I if, if I were at Nike when this were happening if I were at the San Francisco 49ers when he was kneeling and you know people were talking about like you know should he be this? Should he be that? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, how do you make those decisions? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the, the tough thing is, is like individuals, like we all, you know, we all have our feelings of like what we want to do. And again, if you're in the room, like, I think you should just like speak your truth, like be, be honest, step up either, you know, make a hard call say say you don't know whatever but i think i think it's i definitely think it's a tricky situation 
I don't want to dance around it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll, I'll say a couple things. Like Cap, let me draw a distinction with Cap. He got he got dropped dropped by a couple brands, but Nike so me, was on the right I'm side not of that. He did negative. I'm just talking about like right. being yes. in a room hypothetically. Where, like, talk about yeah. being on the side of right. I have a problem with the Cap example because to Savannah's question, he did nothing that's cancelable. Cancel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill, no, right? no, I wasn't I just saying made that word up too, by the way. Example of, <laughs> right. Like, right. for the record, I wasn't. I, was I know just you saying, were. I know you weren't. I just wanted yeah. to say it out loud. Yeah, I, I know he, where your head's yeah, at. Yeah, he that. wasn't, but he got dropped by a few brands, yeah, right? Yeah, but that's like, that is not like a moral discussion. Like, it anyone shouldn't who thinks, be yet. It was. Anyone who thinks, no, no, I, you're right. It was. But anyone who thinks that's a moral discussion is on the wrong side of history. Right. Or someone that's not going to sit next to me when we're having I just need, wine. I, and I think we're on the same page here. Like when you get that fire back from like outsiders saying like, mm-hmm. he should be doing this. He should be doing like people always think about just, you know, the one side of it, which is an athlete right. is doing something wrong. What about when an athlete uses his platform for something good mm-hmm. and you need to be the brand to step up and say like, no, he was right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that takes some guts too. Yeah, but I think it's people like you, individuals in the room that have to stand up and say that because right. a brand is an entity. A brand is, and especially the brands you work for, I Fortune say, 100. Like, a brand, brand. don't have any, like, as much as we say it has like, a feeling and a voice, it doesn't have a heart, doesn't, doesn't have, a, have soul. a brain. Like, that's all us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, doubt. <laughs> exactly. no doubt, no doubt. And that's where you have to push. How much of that is weighed against, they used to use a Q rating, but now I think it's called an MVP index, like, the popularity of the athlete, the success of the athlete. Nobody's looking at that anymore. You don't think guess. so? You don't think like a guy getting in trouble is not weighed against, or a guy not getting in trouble, or a guy being controversial is not weighed against how popular or known they are? Oh, you're. T- I, I thought you meant like for decision making. Yeah, maybe people. I don't. It, that's not like something we a metric we like. I, I'm used to using or have right. used. Yeah, but it's relative, right? Like. The random, you know, third string kicker, what have you, right. gets a very different level of media attention than a star NFL player and what went wrong. Well, so, that, that's my point. Like, so like, I, I guess you're answering it, but like, how much of, as a brand and as a marketer, are you weighing, weighing that versus what they did? So let me, let me just use an example. Person X, who's the best player in the league, well-known, does something morally wrong and is accused of something maybe legally wrong. And person Y, also part of your brand, middle of the field. No, not even second string. Maybe he's an all-star. Maybe he's a borderline all-star. Otherwise, you know, Fortune 100 brand wouldn't sign him. Mm. But he's... That's the same thing? Equivalent. Nobody ever does the same thing, right? I just don't think the rules should be different for anybody. But I'm asking you, as a marketer, they are, aren't they? And that's where a lot of the conversation is like, you know, when you talk about sports, a white athlete doing something versus a black athlete, like that, that's where you get, it's too tricky. Like, is it, what did you do? Is it wrong? Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're the last man on the field or you have 50 million followers, like it was wrong. Right. So let's talk about that. That's kind of how I see. I don't know if you guys. Feel yeah. Like, and I think the audience like, agrees with make that. An excuse for that person. Like, yeah, what they did I, but I guess what wrong. I'm asking you is when you put your marketing hat, isn't, isn't it much harder to say it as black and white as you're saying it? Like, is it not, are the lines that clear when it comes to selling product? I guess I challenge that they should be, <laughs> right? Right, like, right? I mean, I agree with you. I just want, I guess what, what I wanted to hear was, do you think about that as a marketer? Do you think about that as a fortune? Like, I don't want to get into the specifics of your current 
roster. But I, I guess like if someone at the highest level had an issue, would it be as easy for you to drop them as it would be someone who's not at the highest level? I think like that's where you get into a slippery slope. Like you, you're, you're setting one set of rules for this group and another set of rules. But for we know that exists. But like, I also we're feel ignoring like the fact that it exists by saying it doesn't exist. It does I, exist. Right? But I feel like nowadays, like back to our point where audiences are holding brands so much more accountable with intention. I feel like maybe back in the days you would have had more so of a point. But I feel like now if you have more popularity, and you do something wrong. At least social media is going to hold you even more accountable because everyone's aware. Now you're going to have that snowball effect of people kind of, you know, just holding you accountable. Right. So I I don't know if, if that's a valid argument in today's day and age. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let me turn this question around, Burton. Like, say you're consulting for a company and you've got you have two brand ambassadors. One is like all star and one is rookie. They've done literally you, you say the the offense is never the same. It's roughly the same. Okay. H- how would you approach your all-star versus the other guy? I mean, I have the same philosophical approach as you do, which is I hold everybody the same level of accountability. But. But. but ready. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. for no doubt the implications are different for you as a brand. But the question is, like, will you hold them equally accountable? Yeah, theoretically, yes. And, and, and probably in an application, yes, as well, because, but it's also my personal and professional philosophy. I can find the next guy. Now, there are exceptions to the rule, right? The exception to the rule is a lot of your athletes, LeBron, Serena, right? Like these are exceptions to the rule. There is no other LeBron. There is no other Serena. So those are the only two exceptions to the rule, in my opinion. But outside of that, yeah, I, I, I would I would treat them the same way if it was the, relatively the same offense because I know I can find somebody else. I'll, I'll be 1,000. I know I can. And, but isn't it about finding somebody else or is it like, I mean, I'm not trying to be like the moral, but or is it about doing the right thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always about doing the right thing. And, and and maybe sometimes doing the right thing is not finding somebody else. Maybe doing the right thing is like adjusting what the narrative is, talking to the person, evaluating and all that stuff. But this goes back to my thought. Like as a human, you evolve as a person and your line moves. And then your line moves professionally and personally. And yeah. that's what goes into how you do things. And also your juice moves professionally and personally. I mean, you as got- a society, right? Think about how our line has moved, thank God. Right. 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 Like- right. Yeah, and still probably needs to move a, a a whole bunch more. But yeah, I agree with that. Do you think you got more juice in the room now? Do you feel like you got more juice in the room? I know I you're too. Like I you think and I, about that. Do you? I think about it every day. You know I was that. just about to say. I'm sure you do, Brian. Yeah. Okay, so let me say it, let me say it another way. As you are evolving into like you know feeling like this this matters to me and balancing the corporate side of things and balancing what's right for the brand and your employer and you know um the professional side of things are you able to move the needle the way you want to not just because you did a great campaign but because it aligns with some of the stuff that we've talked about whether it's the moral issues the social issues all that i mean i think for me personally um you know as you kind of step into a bigger leadership role, there comes hopefully more influence and more responsibility. 
And so that's how I guess I would answer your question about like, just like feeling like if you can move, move in a room, there's a lot, the stakes are a bit higher and you feel more responsibility, right? Versus probably again, early on when you, um, like your responsibilities aren't greater or aren't as, as wide. Um, so yeah, but, but I think it just, it, it comes with, again, being more aware, taking a higher level of ownership and responsibility for other things that grow beyond the scope of just what I do. And that all, I think ties back to like coming into your purpose. Right. So for me, it's like, I love working in sports. I want to do great things, but like, that's changed. Like for me, it's like, I want to see more women get involved in this industry. I want to see more women represented, um, you know, in campaigns. I want to see, you know, more up and coming athletes and athletes painted in all these beautiful ways as entrepreneurs, as, you know, change makers. Um, So, you know, I think again, having a seat at the table kind of allows you to be able to make some of those things happen or to at least advocate for them and talk to the right people and make the right connections. Um, and that, that's, that's, I guess what I'm most excited about, like, as I continue to grow in my career is being able to do more of that. Amazing. So, Amina, we, we want to be mindful of your time. I would love to wrap up with this question that I personally would love to know, but you don't have to, you don't have to oh, answer damn. if you don't want to. Damn. What is this question? Yeah, I know, right? I thought I was coming Not with the even. heat. All right. But do you have a favorite athlete that you've worked with on set? Ooh, this is, I gotta give it, I love Serena. I love oh, Serena. I'm so oh, jealous. Why? Why? I'm Tell so me why. jealous. That's a good one. One, like, I mean, look what she's been able to accomplish. Look what she's done off yep. the court. Um, when I've, I've talked about like being the person that puts in the work, like this woman puts in the work. Uh, she works incredibly hard, not just tennis, but literally everything she does. And I think that is truly inspiring. You talk about somebody who's been game changing in culture. Um, yep. You know, you see like Naomi Osaka and all these young black girls playing mm-hmm. tennis um, and rallying around a sport that they probably didn't see themselves in is uh, I play volleyball in college. Like now I love looking at the TV and seeing Stanford and Pepperdine, all these schools, like, have all these amazing black and brown girls playing our sport. And so, yeah. you know, what she's done for tennis just means so much to me as like a black woman. Um, but just how she's carried herself, the spaces that she's in and her work ethic, her professionalism, I think, um, that would be my, that's amazing. That's a great one. Yeah, I love Serena too. And I will say this. Amina is maybe the Serena of sports marketing. Ooh, that's very, a good very, one. That's very, a good very, one. Very, very professional. <laughs> very professional. Very professional. Puts in the work. Mm-hmm. Is inspiring people. Mm-hmm. Is going to name her son after me. Okay, like, he lost these are the, These are the things. <laughs> yeah, this is what makes you the GOAT right there. The fourth one is the most important. Naming your son after me is probably the smartest decision you've made in a very long time, if not for your lifetime. And on that note, thank you, Amina. We will let you go. <laughs> Appreciate you, Amina. Appreciate your candor. Appreciate your, your like passion for this industry yeah. and the insights and joining us tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to finally meet you, well, even though it was virtually. I can't wait to see you guys hopefully in person. Absolutely. Once the world opens up. 
Yeah, after May 28th, we will we'll probably that see you. That's my birthday. You come before oh, May 28th? Sorry. Huh? <laughs> you come before May 28th? <laughs> uh, maybe. We'll see. Um, right. Appreciate you, Mina. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to follow us on all social channels at The Black Box Pod. The show would not be possible without our team. Special thanks to our producers, Amanda Berkowitz and Katie McGuigan. Our video director, Paul Aspen. Music by Ye Ali. Design by Lineage Digital. All photos by Jonathan Gabriel Charles. And our production house, Gotham Podcast Studio in New York City. Special shout out to Raul Hernandez. We'll see you guys next time.